Welcome to Hockey Night in New York, where Islanders hockey is always top shelf. Whether you got your start as a dynasty veteran, a Millbury survivor, or you were born into the Church of Trots, Hockey Night in New York is your home for all things Isles. Now, here are your eclectic hosts, Sean Cuthbert and Christian Arnold. Ladies and gentlemen, it is Hockey Night in New York. Welcome to the program. It is Sunday, September 27, 2020, with a big show coming up for you tonight. Old friend Tony Stabile will be joining us to wrap up the season and look ahead to what's to come. My name is Sean Cuthbert. With me, as always, is Mr. Christian Arnold. How are you? I'm good. You know what? It, it just feels really weird to be talking about the end of the season in September. I feel like we should be talking about training camp at yeah. the start of the season. Strange Very bizarre. days, man. Strange days. But here we are. I want to remind everybody that we're powered by Go Hockey Media and presented by the Oyster Bay Brewing Company, creator of the Barn Rocker Session Ale and official partner of the New York Islanders, located at 36 Audrey Avenue in Oyster Bay. Head on down to sample all their fine offerings in the tap room. Open seven days a week with indoor and outdoor seating. We are sponsored by the Blue Line Deli and Bagels, located at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington. Head on over for great food, great people, and great Islander fans. Check out the menu at bluelinedeli.com. And we are also proudly sponsored by Thai Technology, a voiceover IP company, providing phone services for businesses across the country. If you're tired of dealing with long hold times and the impersonal service of companies like Spectrum, Optimum, and Verizon, give Thai Technology a call at 516-856-7800. They are from Long Island, and they are diehard Islander fans. So, Christian... Let's get it going. We're a little further removed from the tough Game 6 loss to Tampa. Yes, We've we had are. a chance to exhale and reflect <laughs> on, the run, on the run a little bit and chalk it up as a big step in the right direction. At least that's my opinion. I, think, I feel like it was our shared opinion last week. And yes. No, we'll, 100%. Yeah, and we'll, we'll wrap up some final thoughts on that. We ran out of time last week. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about the season as a whole in the playoffs, and then we will pivot towards looking at this abbreviated offseason that's really already gotten started for some teams that were eliminated. Yeah. we got some deals. Mark Stahl on his way to Detroit. Yeah. And the Islanders, you figure, are going to be jumping in soon because if anybody's paying attention to what's going on with the salary cap and the, the free agents, they're going to have to make some moves soon. So with that being said, Christian, what do you say, CA? Yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting. We're in some very interesting times, like I was saying before. The fact that we're in... Off-season mode on September 27th right? and not getting ready in preseason mode and getting ready for the season, the upcoming season, is very bizarre. I know I was going through a lot of my uh, Instagram like archives and stuff like that, and a lot of it is all you know, training camp pictures and getting right. ready for right. the regular I saw season. Some of your nostalgia posts. Yes, yeah, yeah preseason <laughs> games and you're like, what is it's just it's so bizarre that we and we still even haven't even handed out a Stanley Cup at this point. This is right. the the bizarre twor- world of 2020 that we're living in, but uh, it, it's interesting times for yeah. the Islanders. And and speaking of, I'm a little disappointed in the Lightning because that really would have helped the narrative <laughs> if they had to wrap things up last night. But I mean, good on Dallas. They you know, they they there's I'll, a there's I'll a part overtime win and yeah game no six tomorrow right there's a part of me that wants to see Rick Bonus and and Blake Cuomo get their names on the Stanley yeah, Cup because you know sure. what those are I mean Rick Bonus uh, Rick Bonus aside but Blake Cuomo Blake Cuomo was here for a lot of bad years with the New York Islanders sure was um, he yeah. was one of the first guys that I interviewed after a game uh, when I started covering this you know ten plus years ago now right um, so I I do have an affinity for some of these guys and I I, I would love to see Blake get a, a Stanley Cup ring here that would be awesome for absolutely him. I have no problem with that and especially Rick Bonus I remember yeah. him from from the Millbury years yeah. <laughs> and I mean did anybody from the Islander fan side of things think that Rick Bonus was was going to be head coaching anybody in the Stanley Cup Finals I think everyone this ha- far into yeah, the future right? I think everyone had that thought like Rick Bonus like the former I mean, Islanders like when they when they anointed him head coach earlier this year. And obviously it was a unique set of circumstances that got him here. But, like, it's just crazy how these things turn out. But, you know, good on Dallas. Yeah. Um, You know, I I, I said on Twitter I'm I'm supporting Tampa. (laughs) But, but honestly, (laughs) I don't care who wins. If Dallas wins, good for them. Good for Rick Bonus. Good for Blake Como and the rest of the guys on that team. But, hey, at least it's more hockey that we can watch before, uh, you know, we really start focusing on the offseason. But speaking of... We didn't get a chance to, I suppose, um, give a little clap 
for Lou Lamarillo last week. Yeah, winning, we kind of snuck that in at the end. Yeah, GM of the year, and maybe we can just slightly expand on that. Took me completely by surprise. Didn't think it was going to happen. Uh, but you know what? Then I remembered that usually, I'm pretty sure this is, is kind of like textbook, where they always nominate three teams who made it to the conference finals. <laughs> so he had a really good chance of being nominated, and then I guess they just thought he did a better job, excuse me, <clears throat> than um, Brisebois. And who was the third candidate? Escapes my mind right now. I do not remember. Well, it had to either be <laughs> what it had to either be the Vegas GM or uh, the Dallas GM. Yeah, the Dallas. Yeah, I think I it was think Nil, it was, right? Yeah, Nil in Dallas. Nil, yeah, yeah. Which actually, I'm kind of surprised Nil didn't get it. To, to be frank with you, I, look, I, I think he Lou made Lamarillo, some more headline yeah. taking moves. That's for sure. Brandon Pavelski and Perry, a hundred percent. And I yeah. think considering where the where the two teams, were, I mean, granted, like they, everyone was in the middle of a, a series at that point, so it was hard to to have that hindsight in 2020, but. Um, I was a little bit surprised. I think there was a part of me that expected Neil to get it um, at the end of the day, but Lou Lamorello certainly deserved it. And I think we talked a little bit about yeah, it last week, and bit, that was the sense bit. that he really put his rubber stamp on this team. It wasn't like right. last year where he went out and he, you know, he goes and gets Matt Martin, and there's really no major acquisitions uh, on his part this year. He goes out. These are the major acquisitions. He goes out and he gets, you know, uh, JG Pajot. He goes out and gets Andy Green at the deadline. He goes out. Um, Varlamov, Varlamov in the summer. In the summer. Those were his people. This right. is not. This is not a, a team from a previous administration anymore. This was Lou Lamorell's New York Islanders. And those yeah. acquisitions and those pieces were crucial to the New York Islanders playoff run. Derek Broussard had a huge, huge moment in the playoffs. A couple on a couple occasions. Uh, JG Pajot was crucial for the Islanders during that entire. Well, run to the ever. Eastern Conference Final. Samyon Varlamov was crucial in the first couple rounds before things started to get a little too tough, and then you had Thomas Grice coming in. Still, that tandem all year long was a solid tandem in, in net for the yeah. Islanders, and yeah. it extended that stretch of where you had solid goaltending in the, in, for the New York Islanders for the first time in a very, very long time, and that was key. And so, not to cut you off, yes, no, but I think, I think his, his moves ended up being so much more justified once we got to see these guys in the postseason. And that yes. goes for Varlamov, too. I mean, you speak to how he's, you know, he said he had a, a good regular season with Grice, but Varlamov was excellent in the playoffs. Oh, 100%. He was fantastic. And, you know, you can make whatever comparisons you want to Robin Leonard because that's just, you know, what fans do, <laughs> especially for a guy who was so beloved before right. he departed. But... I mean, you really got to see what Varlamov was made of in the postseason. And I remember some people weren't as thrilled with him during the regular season. But, I mean, he he proved it, for, you know, for Islander fans that he's a playoff performer. He really stepped up big time and, I mean, really paid off with Pajot. Yes. And it's funny because I think I remember at the deadline where, you know, as far as the the media goes or as far as people kind of acknowledging, you know, the moves that the the Islanders made at the deadline. I feel like they got more praise for Green at the time. Be, not not so much, obviously, because he's not as impactful a player as Pajot, but because you had that contract intertwined with it, and some people were kind of being critical of that. I, I think, too, that had to do with the fact that there was such a need for... I mean, and not to say that there wasn't a need for Pajot. Don't don't take that... Right. Don't misconstrue that. But at the moment, Boychuk there was such... Out. Boychuk being out. Yeah. Uh, Pelic being out was the big thing. That, yeah, of course. That was that was the, the big main reason why they went out and they got Absolutely. to go out and get an Andy Green, because right. Noah Dobson, as well as he played, he just wasn't up to snuff in that moment to take that role. And Andy Green comes in, he's a solid veteran defenseman, and he's able to step into that position. He does pretty well for himself. In the playoffs, it became abundantly clear why you went out and you got an Andy Green. Yes, and and even more so with Pajot. I think yes. anybody who was questioning that contract, I would say 90% came around and said, you know what, yeah, that, that contract makes sense now. I, I think <laughs> so. Yeah, oh, yeah. I think yeah. people got a, lot of, a big wake-up call about how impactful J.G. Pajot was down the middle, uh, on the special teams, uh, and, and a lot of circumstances for the Islanders during the playoffs. That right. was a guy that the Islanders put out in a lot of big situations, and they trusted him, and they gave him kind of free reign to do what he needed to do, and he, he succeeded in those positions. You know, he was out there in late-game situations in the defensive zone taking those big draws. You know, they had him out in the special teams. The penalty, power play was, was not great during the playoffs. Penalty kill no. was phenomenal during the playoffs. Yes. Um, Pajot certainly played a role in that in that aspect as well. So... The Islanders got a really complete player in Pajot that helped them in different aspects of the game that don't necessarily result in points on the score on the score sheet, 
but he also had a lot of big goals during the playoffs too. Huge dude. goals. He was he was as much of a goal scorer as he was as a a guy who did a lot of little things that helped the Islanders as well. And one of the big factors that that kind of gets overlooked when you're looking at you know stats and numbers and stuff like that. He was over fifty five percent in the face off circle during yeah. the playoffs. That's huge. And it's huge, especially for a team like the Islanders who have over the years struggled with faceoffs and it's funny i even remember during these playoffs still complaining about them struggling <laughs> but they certainly improved i mean you had brock nelson he was over 52% yes so they were they were your main faceoff guys i think the problem is when you get some certain other guys in that faceoff circle <laughs> is where the numbers kind of average out bit. and they dip yes. yes looking at matt barzell but he's only 23 he's got time to grow he's got time to improve but but anyway, to focus back on Pajot and his face-off prowess, just just all around, top to bottom, you know, great defensive player, but also can pot in not only the odd goal, but the huge goal. Yes. And it's just going to be really exciting to see him for a full, hopefully, a full 82 games in this upcoming season. Remember, we only got a small taste of him at the, after the deadline, and you see the difference, right, between just coming onto the team at the deadline and then... You have the pandemic coming in. He gets the camp. He gets to really learn the system, yeah. practice with the team. And as Barry Trotz and the rest of the guys in the roster said, he fit in like a glove. Once he was able to get into that system, he was he was a huge part of the team. And you know what? I think that really went above and beyond to really endear himself to Islander fans. And I don't think he was doing that purposely to endear himself to the fan base. But sure. the fact that he bought into a lot of the Islanders' culture, you know, that first game the, the after they acquire him against the New York Rangers, he's going out and he's fighting someone after. I forget who who it was that... That he fought, and it was Truba. Yes, it was the it was a it was a, a hit that the Islanders didn't necessarily like. Oh, um, right, right, right. Another player, he goes out and he stands up against That's Truba right. in his first game as a member of the New York Islanders. You know, he goes during the Scored postseason. Two? Yeah, he scores two in that <laughs> game as well. But I think the fight really endeared him, endeared him to the Islander fan base. You go and look at what he did during the playoffs. He's out there. You know, he's going out and he's standing up for his teammates. He's standing up for himself. Um, you know, he's playing a big role in, in different aspects that are. Again, away from the goal scoring where you really appreciate that as an Islander fan. And then off the ice, he was such a crucial part of becoming uh, a big part of the locker room. Ping pong champion. Ping pong champion. (laughs) I I mean, I get it. It, It's kind of a silly thing, but like that went above and beyond to show that he was buying into what the team was selling as far as that culture, the character, and the camaraderie in that locker room. And that goes a long way. When you can bring a guy like that into the locker room and he can have that impact on the team – that says a lot about the quality of player that they're bringing, not only on the ice, but off the ice. And talk about endearing yourself to the fan base. I'm sure you saw the image floating around the last few days. Somebody got a tattoo of Pajot, I think, on oh, leg yes. with the ping pong paddles. Yeah, I, mean, I think I saw that. <laughs> that is dedication. But it, it, not only that, but I remember going down to Farmingdale for the when the team landed. Uh, a couple of Fridays right, ago, right, right, right. There were a couple of of girls there. Had to be late teens, early twenties. Mm-hmm. Um, and they had the big Pajot fatheads, and they were like that's hardcore Pajot yeah. fans. Oh, there's I, a lot of jerseys yeah. already. Tony Stabile, who we're about to talk to, he changed his profile <laughs> picture. Got a brand new jersey. Everybody's yeah. on the Pajot train. So I think that it really went a long way to not only change the perception of the people that like, oh God, do we really want to sign this guy? We don't know if he's going to consistently be as productive as he was when he was in Ottawa this season too. Wow, this guy is, is a key member of the locker room. Oh, he's yeah. a key member of the of the franchise going forward. And he's going to be out on the ice in big situations, making these big plays, yeah. taking key face-offs, and finding ways to contribute on the Islander special teams. No question about it. But with that, we got a break because Mr. Tony Stabile is going to be joining us. So thank you guys for tuning in. Remember, you can tune in live or for the archives at HockeyNightNY.com. We'll be right back. You have a lot of choices when it comes to great beer. And Oyster Bay Brewing Company provides the best Long Island has to offer. Oyster Bay Brewing Company is dedicated to producing the highest quality beer while staying true to their nautical history on the Gold Coast of Long Island. They're the creators of the renowned Barn Rocker Session Ale and an official partner of the New York Islanders. Whether it's the crisp Barn Rocker, smooth honey ale, savory IPA, or gluten-free hard seltzers, Oyster Bay Brewing Company has an option for everyone. Located at 36 Audrey Avenue, the taproom is open seven days a week with indoor and outdoor seating, so you can experience all of Oyster Bay Brewing Company's excellent selections right in historic Oyster Bay. You can also shop online at OysterBayBrewing.com for curbside pickup, local delivery, or have your order shipped anywhere in New York. And if you use coupon code HNINY at checkout, you'll get 15% off. 
Oyster Bay Brewing Company, Long Island's Gold Coast Brewery. The only thing better than a great Long Island deli is a great Long Island deli run by diehard Islander fans. Blue Line Deli and Bagels located at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington will make any Islander fan feel right at home with its familiar blue and orange theme and Isles decor. Blue Line Deli and Bagels proudly serves Bagel Boss Bagels along with breakfast favorites, hockey-themed heroes, quesadillas, salads, fresh-made smoothies, and much more. So stop on in for delicious food, a clean atmosphere, and a happy staff ready to greet you with friendly service no matter what team you support. Want to place an order for pickup? Call 631-944-3222 or visit bluelinedeli.com to check out the menu and order online. Blue Line Deli and Bagels, where the great selections will have you saying... Yes, yes, yes. Welcome back to the program, ladies and gentlemen. When you hear this tune... That means it's time for How Does It Feel to be Tony Stabile. And joining us right now is human being person, none other than <laughs> Mr. Tony Stabile. Tony, how are you? I have to say I don't think I've ever been introduced as a noted person, but thank you very much. <laughs> I appreciate it. Well, you are. You Gentlemen. are a noted individual, Tony. Yes, and I and and I, I I guess I appreciate that. So thank you. <laughs> Just gentlemen. roll with it, brother. Just roll with it. It's a step up from noted Nickelback fan, I guess. Because yeah, we moved on from that. Yeah. I feel like we beat that horse to death. We're, we're gonna lay off of that. I think for a while. You've been, you've been beating that horse for about ten years. Bro, <laughs> I know, so man. I know, I know. I, I feel like a decade's long enough. All right. Uh, well, I, I I appreciate that. But hi, gentlemen. How are you? <laughs> Doing well, man. Pleasure to have you back. Good to hear your voice again. So, Tony. Let's let's recap what happened this season. Obviously, a, a wild, weird year. It finally stopped a little short than we than we hoped for the New York Islanders, but maybe a little longer than some of us expected. So, with that tone, let's just get a little season assessment from you. The whole shebang, you know, starting from that, you know, big opening opening run where it looked like they weren't going to lose a game. Then, obviously, they meandered through a good portion of the rest of the season after having some significant injuries. So just talk about that team and the playoff team and, and, and you know, what it means for you going forward. Uh, I mean, yeah, this has been – take COVID out of, the, out of the whole conversation. And this has been a really weird year. Like you said, they got off to that a tremendous start. And then some of the injuries set in, um, Adam Pellick obviously being the big one. Look, any team that loses their number one defenseman is going to go through a transition period, and that's pretty much what happened here. And to see what happened to this team and how they responded um, almost, you know, to the point where if COVID didn't happen, who knows if they would have made the playoffs. Uh, They were not trending in the right direction at that point. So COVID hits, everyone takes a break. Somehow, some way, miraculously, Adam Pellick uh, is able to come back from that uh, torn Achilles. And now suddenly he's available to play. And then, it seems like the Islanders just completely reverted back to that team they were early on in the season where they were unstoppable. Uh, they get great goaltending out of Semyon Valamo. They get timely goal scoring out of guys like Andy Bavillier and Anders Lee, who had been a little bit questionable in the playoffs when it came to putting points up. Right. And he set the tone from the first shift in the Washington series with that hit on Nicholas Backstrom. They played fantastic. I mean, they, they really, they, they, it, it, I, I don't think I've ever been more proud of the way that this organization is, is in this, in the, not the, not the way that they, that they are, but I guess the way that it's constructed and how they conduct business. and the way that everything is Basically since John Tavares has left, which is a wonderful thing altogether, because you take a <laughs> negative like that. I mean, I'm not even, and I'm not even trying to be right, right. You know, sarcastic about yeah. it. I'm just, I'm looking at the fact of, is that you could have taken something that could have absolutely buried this organization. And to see what John Ledecky and Skalmakin did by bringing in Lamarillo, and everybody had questions about that. And the first thing he does is hire Barry Trucks, and then boom, the whole thing with Tavares happens, and it's like, okay, is everything that's gone on for the last, you know, seven years is all torpedoed? But to see where they brought this, and to see how that they played, and how hard these guys played, they played their hearts out in this playoff series. I've never been prouder of a team. Uh, of a group of guys that have that have worn this uniform over the years that I've watched this team, and 
Uh, I just, uh, I, I couldn't be prouder. I'm really, I'm really so excited for what's going to happen, especially in the next 10 days after the Stanley Cup is awarded and, and how this offseason, this abbreviated offseason is going to go. But uh, I've just, I've never been prouder. It's, it's, really? it's been, it's been great. And it you, really has. You're talking about the, over the course of your fandom, this is, this is the proudest you've been of this team? Yeah, I mean, look, I, I mean, you know, when when the Islanders were winning Stanley Cups, I was six and seven, eight years old. So right. I mean, it's really hard, kind of hard to be proud right, of that's, a team that's at fair. that point. That's but, fair. but I mean, you know, if you if you count the '93 team, which they were underdogs and the way that they played, they had Glenn Healy standing on his head, so on and so forth. Yeah, I mean, absolutely, I was proud of that team. I was a teenager at the time, but now it, all of the stuff that's gone on from this point, everything that they've had to deal with, you know, the the mockery, the this, the the the. the Building questions, the, you know, Tavares leaving, all of this stuff. And this guy's r- rose above all of that. And they did a hell of a job. And I don't think anyone can can deny the fact that this this team that was definitely not as talented as the team that they were playing against. And meanwhile, took out Washington, took out Philadelphia, took out Florida, and then gave the lightning fits for the series that they played against them. I, I could not, I could not have been happier. We'll call myself an Islander fan that, that I am right now. I have to agree with Tony here. And I think we were talking about it last week, Sean, where um, in years past, and I'm sure Tony, I'm sure you kind of feel the same way. The 2013 success, the 2015 success, the 2016 success, they were all great. And everyone was, was happy and confident that things were going to turn a corner. But there was always some semblance of doubt that that wasn't going to come. Obviously, and you know those years that it didn't. Um, obviously, you know the Islanders, twenty sixteen, the Islanders win their first playoff round in what was it twenty three years or something like that at that point. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. even that next year, you, there was not that confidence because there was never the sense of that management or ownership was was ready to take that next step or really invested in. Um, you know, bringing the team to that next level. I, from at least from my perspective, I don't know about you, Tony, but in this instance, I, there's not that same sense of maybe dread or whatever the word you want to use because there is a sense now that this group, this ownership group, the management group, is ready to make that next that next. Dare move. we say confidence? Yes, there's confidence there, Tony. Is that a, is that a fair assessment? Absolutely. There's no question because you look at look Christian. You remember we were in the locker room the night that they were that, that they were eliminated by the Penguins in that series that they that they played so hard in that series. Yes, and you remember I always remember standing by Travis Hamonic's uh, locker that night and hearing the disappointment appointment in his voice and the anger in his voice because he felt in his heart of hearts that they had played really really hard and that they deserved to move on to the next round that they deserved to win that game. And that's the way he felt. And, you know, you can't, we came into training camp the next year. I guess we kind of felt that, hey, you know, they had a great series against Pittsburgh, but let's see what they can do the following year. This is different because they went to the playoffs last year. They won that first round. And then their lack of experience probably was a detriment to them against Carolina. Right. You look at the way that they played this year, and they definitely learned from what they did last year to what they brought to this season. And they did it. They did, you know, they played the way they played against Florida, the way they played against Washington, and then getting into the Philadelphia series, they changed their game. You know, they not just the style of play, but they 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 kept to what they had to do. But if they had to play physical, they played physical. If they played needed to play a little bit more finesse, they were able to do that as well. I feel like they just they were able to rise to the occasion, whereas in years past they were able to do it in spurts. They did it during Pittsburgh series last year against Carolina. They got they got run. They got overrun in that series, and it was a lack of experience. And I feel like they took that from last year, and they learned from it, and then they definitely applied it to what they did this year. And I mean, they did a great—they did a great job. And now the way that I look at it going forward is seeing the way that they played this year and taking the loss that they did—you know—the loss that they took this year, you know. And I mean, look—even if they had won that game six and gone to game seven, they're out without—they're without Pellet for the yes. rest of the playoffs with a broken wrist. Yeah. So I mean. At that point, you know, what's going to happen? I mean, could they have risen to the occasion? Sure, absolutely they could have. But losing a guy like Pellick in that game six and then for the rest of the playoffs would have been devastating. We saw what happened earlier on in the season. So in my opinion, they take what they've done now and they apply that to next year. They go with that hunger. Hey, we were five games from winning the Stanley Cup. <laughs> we need to, We want that. And that's really what it comes down to. I mean, they were five wins. They had to win 19 times. In order to win the cup this year, right? They were five wins away. They are. Uh, they were. They they were the 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 
the only team that did not play in the finals. Right. They were the last team before they got to that point. They take that and they sit with that for the next two months. And then they get – it's a short memory. It's a short – I was going to say summer, but really it's not summer. <laughs> but Fall, it's a winter, short, yeah. It's a, it's a short time off, and then they come back to work, and they get right back to work. Uh, I, 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 yes, I, I would say confidence is, I, I don't really have confidence is not something that I own the fans carry in their pocket. Usually <laughs> I think, I think most of us have it at this point. No, it is certainly not. And I think certainly I'm with you, Tom. Yeah. There's a, a certain change in there. We're talking with Tony Stabile, uh noted person, I guess is how we're referring to him. <laughs> Former co-host of hockey night. There New York. we go. Uh, obviously he's been around the New York this... Islanders a lot. Uh, I remember when I started covering the team, Tony was right there with me. So Tony knows his stuff and, uh, he's been around the block quite a bit when it comes to the New York Islanders. Tony, I, I wanted to talk to you about the future, but you, you mentioned Adam Pelican and, and, and Sean mentioned him before, too. I, I just, I mean, I can't get over Adam Pelic breaking his wrist in Game 5 and playing, I, what was it, almost 30 minutes or something like that with a broken wrist in a, yeah. a crucial must-win situation. I mean, how crazy is that? Uh, it's crazy. Listen, it's crazy. I mean, <laughs> I, mean I just look, can't get over that. I remember as a kid, I remember as a kid, Butch Goring uh, getting his jaw broken against the Minnesota North Stars and having to go in and having it wired shut. And then it came out, finished the game. I don't think he only missed a couple of shifts, finished the game, and then ended up winning the Conn Smythe Trophy. So, yeah, there there are definitely <laughs> examples of stuff like this going on. But, yeah, Adam Pellet playing on a broken wrist for an entire game in a game five, in a game that they win, no less. Uh, it's it was tremendous. It was a tremendous thing, uh, you know, and it would have been a devastating blow for them going forward. No matter, no question. You know, Adam Pellick is as this, as is a is an important is as an important part of this team as Matthew Barzell. I mean, he is he's no the way. guy who drives the defense. He plays those important minutes. He's so important back there. And it's funny. I, th- I think during one of the uh, during one of the games, they were saying, "Oh, I haven't heard Pellick's name in a while." You know, he's been kind of quiet. And I'm saying that means he's doing his job. Yeah, like, right, right. <laughs> he's doing his job. But the less you say his name, the better. The better he's playing because you know when he's out there and he's boxing his man out and he's you know keeping guys to the boards and you know not having you know his the guy he's covering is not getting uh doesn't isn't getting score isn't uh, getting scoring chances. This guy's doing his job. So yeah, he's he's indispensable out there. He really is. And you know I, I think. He needs to stop with the uh, having the worst luck in hockey. Basically, the, the way that uh, 2020 has run for him, you know, tearing his Achilles during a pregame yeah. soccer game, and yeah. you know, breaking his wrist, and, and, and you know, at the very end of the series, you know. Uh, but uh, you can't say enough about Adam Pellick and, and and how you know important he is to this franchise moving forward. No doubt about it, Tony. And I actually want to piggyback off of that. And I'm pretty sure that back when you and I. We're talking about the run that they were going on way, you know, way back eight years ago (laughs) at the beginning of this season. And, you know, they're on that run. And I think one of the things you and I kind of highlighted was the depth of the team and saying, well, a big part of the reason why they're they're rattling off these wins is because they have great depth. You know, maybe they don't have the top end scoring, but if you go, you know, through the top to bottom of the lineup, you got guys that can step in. And then that was challenged when Pellick and Sezikis went down, and we saw what happened the remainder of the season. So when we look ahead to next year, is is the depth of this team going to be a concern and an issue? I mean, we'll, we'll find out if a guy like Andy Green sticks around on, a, on another contract. I'm not so sure that's going to happen, but, you know, you look at some of the names that are, you know, you have Dobson that's going to be coming up now, and, you know, maybe you see a guy like Wallstrom finally break through. But long story short, is the depth going to be a, a, another concern if a major player like Pellick goes down? Well, you see, when you have a guy like Pellick, I mean, again, he's an irreplaceable player. Okay, what he does on a night in and night on a shift by shift basis, it's almost impossible to have the depth where you can have someone step up and do exactly what that guy is doing. It's just it's nearly impossible. Okay, I mean, teams try for years to develop a, a player who is as indispensable to a defensive unit that Adam Pellick is to the New York Islanders. So Pellick is a kind of a hard gauge. If there's anybody else in the lineup, yes, I think they have the depth in order to, to replace that person going forward. Okay. You know, it's next man up when it comes to Pellick because it, whatever you get is not going to be him. So, and I cannot believe if you would have told me three years ago that we'd be having this conversation describing <laughs> Adam Bellick this way, right. I would have told you you were nuts. Yeah. So, 
But just the fact that he's come as far as he has, yes, he is an indispensable player. I think the Sezikis thing, especially late late in the year, I think Lou addressed that by getting Pajot. Because you get a guy who does everything that Sezikis does, only he scores more than Sezikis does, which is really, you know, if there's a linchpin to, to – Casey's game is that he doesn't have the high-end scoring ability. I mean, the guy scored 20 goals in the NHL. The guy is definitely a, a, a much better offensively than 90% of the other fourth-line centers in the game, but Pajot is better than that. So to have the depth that they have down the middle on this team now, yes. And you saw it after Casey went down in this series. Pajot just dropped down to that line. Now do I think that they need to have somebody on that you know, somebody else that could step in, uh, you know, in, a, in, a, in a, if one of those four guys goes down, absolutely. I do. If Nelson went down, you move Pajot up. If Zekas goes down, you can move Pajot down. It's the kind of a guy he is. You can move him to different spots, right. but I definitely think that winger wise and maybe that, you know, that 13th forward, you know, maybe you want to be able to have a little bit more. I mean, I, Derek Broussard had his moments this year, but in my opinion, you know, they, I think they move on from him and I think that they will be in the market for somebody else. I think, you know, that other things will happen when it comes to the way that this roster looks like when they come back in December. But I definitely think that they have down the middle, which is an incredibly important thing to have depth. I think they have it in the four guys that they have. The defense, again, I, I think that it's there, but replacing Pelic is nearly impossible. Yeah, it's tough to do. I will say the one person who I will give credit to who I think saw Pelic being a success in the NHL was was Brent Thompson, who said as much this week to NYI Hockey Now and an intrepid young, young-ish journalist, Christian Arnold. There's <laughs> a great story on NYI Hockey Now, not to plug my own stuff, but uh spoke with Brent Thompson. He talked about just that. But but looking to the future with the New York Islanders and how important finding those those diamonds in the rough and those those gems in the draft are. The NHL draft is not too far away now, which is again, with twenty twenty, it's so bizarre with everything going on. Um, you know, we're only what, a week or two away from the NHL draft at this point. And mm-hmm. Tony, with with the first two rounds, the Islanders don't have a pick. Is it a quiet day for Lula Morello? Or is there some wheeling and dealing to be done? Um, I think that I think that he's definitely going to move salary out. Um, I I definitely think so. Whether it involves uh, getting himself back into the first or second round, I I couldn't even tell you because this is <laughs> it's unprecedented. Yeah. And the, and, I, and the reason I say that is that was, it's so unprecedented. I mean, we're having the draft in October. I mean, who could at this point? Who knows what's going to happen? I right. mean, locusts should show up at the uh, uh, you know on <laughs> the Zoom call. Me. I don't, and I don't think anybody would be surprised. Correct. So I, I I can't even pretend to think what Lou would do if he wants to get back into the first or second round. At this point, depend you know looking at what he has on the team, looking at what he has in the farm system, I think he's okay. You know, he, he, he drafted Samuel Bolduc, who was, you know, who shows, who shows, you know, great promise as a defenseman, uh, big kid with a, with a huge shot. And, uh, you know, he played, uh, I believe he played in the queue last year, if I'm not mistaken, but he's a, you know, he's, he's a, he's a gem. He's a diamond in the rough kind of a guy because he was taken in the second round. Yeah. I don't think anybody expected him to be taken before the middle of the third round. So Lou jumped on him. He tends to do that. He likes his guys. He chooses who he wants. You know, and you remember after, you know, they, 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 they were able after the Travis Hammonick trade to make that additional first round pick. They had the two second round picks that right. they got from it. So they have prospects. You have Bellows. You have, you know, um, Wallstrom. You have Ishikov. You have uh, even guy. you know, you have you know, Bull Duke. You have guys like Bodie Wild. Like you have a stable of young players that's going to take a little bit of time to develop. I think Wallstrom is probably closer than any of those guys. Mm-hmm. Now, do any of these guys get moved out in order to move salary out? That's a question that that's an interesting question there because it was rumored that when they were going to make the Zach Parisa deal, that that um, that Kiefer Bellows was going to be part of that deal. That could be a trading chip because they don't have a, 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 a draft pick to trade away. That could be something that they could use in order to the carry to get rid of salary off of their books. Detroit did it yesterday. They took Mark Stahl off the Rangers hands. They only got and they and they got a second round pick back to take the full salary of Mark Stahl. Will something happen like that with Andrew Ladd? Will something happen like that with Johnny Boychuk? I, I don't know. I mean, it's but I think that that is more likely to happen during draft time. So I, I don't know if we're going to be seeing him try to get himself back in the first or second round, but I definitely think in the days leading up or on the draft floor that they're going to try to, to, to move that salary out. And I think he definitely gets rid of at least one. You, Tony, you kind of, you kind of jumped on the next question I was going to ask you, but obviously with the circumstances surrounding 
the cap and teams trying to stay under it. I mean, the Islanders are one of, uh, you know, maybe 28 teams that are dealing with the same issue, and that is trying to stay under the cap. Um, mm-hmm. Lou Lamorello obviously, you know, has finagled his way around certain certain things and other times maybe hasn't been as successful. When you go into a situation like this, going back to the conversation we were having about confidence with the Islanders, how do you kind of foresee this playing out? Obviously, like you were saying, this is an unprecedented situation. At this point, it wouldn't surprise anyone if, if anything crazy happened with the way the salary cap is structured and how these teams are going to manage to stay under it going into next season. Agreed. I mean, I, I mean, like I said, I mean, Lou is as is private and plays things as close to the vest as possible. So you never know what's going on in his head, but I'll tell you, I mean, but when it comes to this, I mean, all bets are off at this point. I mean, I don't think anybody would have thought that Mark Stahl would have been traded to Detroit for, with a second round pick for nothing, essentially, right. but that cap space, which is really what the Rangers needed. And I think you're going to see that. And you have a couple of teams that are well beneath the cap floor. You have Ottawa that's well beneath the cap floor. Yes. You have Detroit that's well beneath the cap floor. And Eisenman even said yesterday he'd be open to more deals like this because he's trying to accumulate picks and prospects and so on and so forth. Is it outside the range of the possibility that the Islanders take one of their cheaper, younger defensemen that they can move out and maybe bring an Andy Green back. Maybe, you know, uh, you have a Noah Dobson that's going to step into the lineup. Is it possible they do that? Who knows? Because they don't have those first <laughs> and second round picks. Right. But it's definitely possible at this point because those are the chips that they're dealt. Okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that if you have um, – I, I think the Zach Parisi thing definitely comes back, at least in some form or another, they definitely talk to them. You know, Lou is a guy who has always – had people players that he that he relies on you know he wanted Andy Green he tried to get him early on in the year he just kept at it he just kept at it he just kept at it until he finally got the trade the trade made and he brought him over at the deadline I think that he definitely goes back and looks at Parise because Parise is a guy who can help this team I know his contract is a bit of a mess but if you're able to offload Lad in in that trade and then be able to bring Parise in I think that you bring him in and then you worry about what happens down the road Yes. But I, I, I definitely think that that's something that he that he revisits because it was way too close for that. I think that he and look, he, he's always been a guy who collected captains. OK, he always liked to collect former captains. That was his thing. He, you know, he he, he stock into the character of the players that he brings in and, and what they bring, not only to the guys on the ice, but into the room. You know, that was why he was so high on bringing Leon Komarov here and why I bring Matt Martin back here, because he knew what they what their presence in the locker room was going to bring. And I think that he feels the same way with way Andy Green did and definitely what he thinks a guy like Zach Parise could do. For sure. And and real quick, Tony, now that we're kind of talking about free agents a little bit, uh, any any opinions on who stays and who goes as far as the unrestricteds go? You have obviously Martin, you have Broussard, you kind of talked about him already. You got Thomas Grice, excellent soldier. He's probably played his last game as a New York Islander. You see any of these guys coming back, Andy Green, or you think uh, they're going to move on from most of these guys? I think they well. Obviously, Thomas Grice has been a great soldier. I, I don't. I, I don't think there's any circumstance where he would bring himself back. It's not that I don't think the Islanders would want him. Right. For or, sure. You know, I think that it's, it's a situation a where he. Yes, he needs to be a number a one B, and he's not going to be that here. And even right. if he was for the first three months of the season, he's gonna that's going to revert back to Ilya Sorokin. He's going to be in that spot. So right. there's no reason for Thomas Grice to come back. He's been you know he's been a great addition to this team for the for the six years he's been here and. You wish him well, and I'll always be a Thomas Grice fan just based upon how he was, how he conducted himself, and how he played here. Uh, Derek Broussard, I don't see any reason why that would be a, a return for, for him. Uh, Martin Martin is, is, is interesting because right. he makes, you know, like he's still a guy who can make some money, um, and I, I don't think that the Islanders really have the room to have the luxury, especially when you're playing a Ross Johnson a million dollars already. So, I mean, unless he takes a one-year deal at a, you know, at a, at a million-dollar salary and they just bury Johnson in the minors, I, I, I don't really see how, how that fits, you know. Um, yeah. When you have guys who could step into that position already that you're already paying good money to, I, I don't know if that's going to work. So I, I, it's interesting to see what, what happens with Martin. Um, and Andy Green, I think, comes back. I think that they definitely – it depends upon how they shuffle uh, the defense. I think they need to make a change on defense. I think they need to have um, – a power play guy back there. Uh, I know that they want Dobson. You would have to, to take it, a big pay cut too. I think. 
who Andy Green? Oh, yeah. there's no question. But yeah. he's 38 years old. I don't think he's getting, you know, I don't think he's getting five million a year. So I think he'll take come back at a reduced salary. He'll come back to play. And if they move Boychuk out, which is definitely a possibility, I there's no question that he that he'll come back because they're going to need him in that room uh, with these younger guys. So I, I think that it, it depends what happens with Boychuk. But I I could definitely see Andy Green returning. Well, told. at a reduced reduce salary. Yeah, I think that's possible too. And we're going to find out whether that happens or not. But Tony, dude. Love having you back on. Excellent, excellent stuff. And uh, we will have you on again next month, man. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. And, uh, look, enjoy the time off. You guys are so busy doing all these crazy things that, uh, you know, videos and sandwich eating contests and all that <laughs> other stuff. So, you know, try to try to get a little rest in between. You know, uh, as, as as Barry Trotz likes to say, make sure you hydrate. Very important. Uh, keep yourself hydrated and, uh, you know. Guys, you're doing a great job. I'm uh, I'm proud that you're uh, that you're doing what you're doing, and um, thanks for having me on. I can't wait to talk to you again. Absolutely, Tony. <laughs> Appreciate it, Tony. Take care, Tony. That's all the time we have. Have a great one, buddy. We'll talk to you soon. See you guys. All right, all right, folks. That was how does it feel to be Tony Stabile? Great stuff from Tony, Chris. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, cover a lot of bases. Stuff. Yeah, the one thing I, w- I will say, um, I'm very intrigued with the Matt Martin situation. I think he's yeah. a guy that still ends up being here next season uh, for a lot of reasons. One of the one of the biggest one being obviously he's such a big Islander. He's such a big guy as far as um, when it comes to being an Islander, right? Like he encompasses just being Mister New York Islanders. And when you when you look at the that locker room, I think that you talk to anybody in that locker room as far as the, the players go. They will say Matt Martin is Mr. New York Islander, probably right behind Bobby Nystrom. Um, yeah. But as far as him endearing himself to the community and the fan base and his importance here, um, he is it. And I don't really foresee him going anywhere else. And I think that it would really be painstaking for him to sign with, say, a team like yeah. the New York Rangers, which yeah. is probably the other option that um, would be out there, and I'm sure the Rangers would be happy about that. I'm sure his father-in-law, Boomer Esiason, would be thrilled to see him in a Rangers <laughs> yes, jersey, right? Yes, he would. But I think that Matt Martin is a guy who's basically set up his entire life now to be on Long Island, and he's not going anywhere. Well, he could still be on Long Island and play for the Rangers. Right, but that's what I'm saying. Like, you really have three options then. You yeah. have the Islanders, you have the Rangers, and then, like, you can go play for the Devils if you want. But you're not going anywhere else because that this is where his family is, this is where his home is, and I don't really foresee him uprooting his family again now, especially with a, you know, a new child here um, right. and basically his entire life in this region. Well, you know, with Tony talking about the whole emphasis on leadership that Lou Lamarillo has and with us discussing the possibility of a guy like Johnny Boychuk getting dealt right. and perhaps some other moves getting made where you look at that locker room situation, you might, you know, lose a guy here or there. You know, it might even put more emphasis on keeping a guy like Matt Martin around right. to keep that locker room intact. Yeah. The other thing, too, is he's a guy I could easily see taking a big hometown discount to stay a member of the New York Islanders. Yeah. He made his money going to Toronto. I think we touched upon, touched upon this last week, too. He made his money going to Toronto. Um, you know, I don't really foresee him as much as I think Matt Martin's a great player in the role that he plays on that fourth line. Um, I don't foresee him really garnering much more than that outside of here with the Islanders. Maybe with the Rangers a little bit, but not by much. Um, but it'll be interesting to see how the whole thing plays out. And obviously, the Islanders have a ton of RFAs that they have to pay too, including um, you know a certain somebody who's an important <laughs> player on the on the Islanders roster going forward. Yes, there's some important names that we're going to be discussing discussing in very short order. And just to cap the thought on Martin, I mean, you also just look at how he performed in these playoffs. Yeah, right. Oh I mean, he God, kind of just huge. brought himself yeah. back into the discussion. <laughs> I think. You know, maybe some of us were were kind of looking at this as Martin Swan song as an Islander, and then you see what he did in the playoffs, and now you 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 know think about these other factors going into it, and yeah, there's a very good chance that he does stick around. I I do think he takes. There's no way he's getting two and a half million again, and I think it's going to be if they do figure out a way to fit him in with all these other you know all this other juggling that they have to do. I mean, I don't think he gets really much more than a mil. I don't think they can really afford him for much more. No, than that. and and like I said, he especially with some of the other guys that they're paying. Yeah, yeah, he wants to be here. Uh, uh, listen, there is a great story by Molly Walker who we had on a couple of weeks ago in, in the post, a mm-hmm. couple maybe earlier this week, um, where she spoke with Boomer Esiason and, and Sydney Esiason or Sydney Martin, I should say, uh, about the role of, of the situation that happened when the when the Maple Leafs traded him to back to New York, back to New York, and the 
basically, apparently what was said was Brendan Shanahan gave him the choice. We'll trade you anywhere you want to go. And he wanted to go back to the New York ah, Islands. Okay. So I think that really shows his, his mentality as far as yeah. his his commitment to being a member of the New York Islanders Love and it. how much Love he enjoys being here. So I think that's why, at the end of the day, he'll be here next year. It won't be for a lot of money, but I, I don't think that's going to be an issue for him because he wants to win a cup, and obviously he wants to win a cup. He wants to win a cup as a member of the New York Islanders. Sounds good to me, Christian. And with that, we got to break one more time. So once again, folks, I want to thank you for tuning into Hockey Night in New York. Remember, you can tune in live or for the archives at HockeyNightNY.com. We will return. Customer service is the backbone of any great business, and reliable telecommunication is essential to keeping your client base happy. Introducing Thai Technology, a low-cost, flexible internet phone service founded on the idea that every customer deserves exceptional service while providing simple setup and management and easy integration to clients across the country. Thai Technology will not only create a custom solution tailored to your specific needs, but will partner with you to provide a competitive edge to you and your clients. And if you need support, you won't be routed to an automated call center in another country. You'll get a live representative that had a personal hand in building your account. So Islander fans, if your business is looking for a change from companies like Spectrum, Verizon, or Optimum, Thai Technology is offering three free months of service for any of its affordable packages. Just call 516-856-7800. That's 516-856-7800. 7800 or visit them on the web at tietechnology.com that's tie t-i-e technology.com tie technology the right choice for your internet phone service when it comes to long island hockey swag no one does it better than yes men outfitters the independent lifestyle brand born on the island to support the game the team and the players you love if orange and blue are your team colors visit yesmenoutfitters.com for a wide selection of themed shirts hats hoodies, and newly added masks and tumblers. All apparel is designed and created in-house with the same passion and dedication as your favorite team on the ice. So upgrade your wardrobe and show off your pride today by visiting yesmenoutfitters.com. And don't forget to use promo code HNINY for 15% off your order. Yes Men Outfitters, stick to the system. the ads now let's get back to hockey night in new york with sean cuthbert and christian arnold welcome back to the program folks the train rolls on and christian let's piggyback off of this ufa rfa situation that we're talking about the free agent are you okay are you, are you sure yeah okay. you, you look like you're not keeping it together over there have the giggles oh yeah the giggles. the giggles all right all right well you know pull it together buddy we got a show to do <laughs> But yeah, no. There's, a, I mean, there's a lot of talk, talk about when it comes to the UFA. Yeah, man. So let's let's do it. So here's the cap situation, folks. Right now, there's the- no room. There's no room for anybody. <laughs> Everything's going downhill. If you're, if I'm you're just scorched kidding. earth, yeah, yeah. it kind of looks that way. <laughs> but they're just under nine million under the cap heading into this scenario before yes. they sign anybody before they you know before they make any decisions on these guys they have just under 9 million and there's one guy who might take that all up who we're going to talk about soon <laughs> but we're not there just yet i want to stick with the ufas since we kind of started on that with tony already so we talked about thomas grice and you know you can't say enough great things about him i'm i'm going to be sorry to see him go but there's really just no realistic possibility he sticks around unless Ilya Sorokin wakes up one morning and says you know what Lou i changed my mind i'm going back to russia <laughs> i don't think that's going to happen so look he is the de facto backup goaltender next year uh, unless they I, feel like he needs seasoning and i wouldn't even say that's he's a backup goaltender he's going to it's 1a 1b again and i well, think it's going to be a slow transition into him becoming the that starter that is obviously yeah. the eventual you know hope is that that's how it's going to turn out but look i'm going to dial back my expectations and not say that i don't think it's going to go that way but say maybe it just needs to start slowly certainly sounds like that's what you're saying all right christian let's relax here wow. but <laughs> you Some know fan look, you are lou likes to t- no look it's not it has nothing to do with my, <laughs> my confidence and his abilities can't believe you took the it's, bait i did i did loser yeah you got me so <laughs> all right all right now let me get it together Okay, so Lou likes to take it slow with his prospects and his younger guys. but Understandably he's, he, so. Yeah, so I think Varlamov is going to get the majority of the starts when the season starts, whenever that is, December, January, what have you, and then eventually they will work 
Sorokin into more games. So, to put the focus back on Grice, which is where this is supposed to be, is, look, I can't say enough great things about what he did while he was here. It's a shame that they couldn't get him a cup <laughs> this, this season because, you know what, it was possible. Let's 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 just admit it. I mean, they got so close, and I feel like they would have had a great chance against Dallas. Didn't happen. Sucks. But Thomas Grice is going to move on. He's going to get paid, and he's he's just a guy that you know. Even if they wanted to try to keep him around, if say they did want to put Sorokin down on the bridge, they can't afford him. He's 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 going to be worth too much money. They can't fit him under the cap, so he's gone. He's going. There's no doubt about it. So, thank you for your service. I mean that sincerely, and best of luck moving on. Because Thomas Grice has played his last game as a New York Islander. Thomas Grice has certainly earned his his spot in the history books for the New York Islanders. He's had yeah. a lot of big, 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 big moments with the Islanders organization. I mean, he's the guy that was in net to get them to the Eastern Conference Final for the first time in 27 years. Coincidentally, he was the guy in net when the Islanders went to the first, the second round for the first time in 23 years. Thomas Grice, despite um, not being the quote-unquote starter, or everyday starter, I guess, has had a lot of big moments with, with this organization. I think yeah. he deserves a spot and recognition going forward. And I think a lot of Islander fans are, are giving that to him and will give that to him and have given that to him. So yes. he certainly deserved yes. it and earned it, and he, he's played very well for the Islanders in the circumstances that they were asking him to step into, especially this season uh, in the postseason where he was stepping into spots where – the guy hadn't played in, since, you know, July at, at certain points. Yeah. And he stepped in admirably, put up some big performances for the Islanders, and he got them where they needed to be. And he gave them a chance to win every night that he was in the net, whether it was as a relief goaltender or whether that was as the starter in the few starts that he did get this postseason. But he, yeah. he deserved that spot, and he deserves the recognition that he gets as, as a member of the 20, you know, 20, what is it, 2019-2020 New York <laughs> Islanders. Yeah. Yeah, and you're sorry to see a guy like that go, yeah. but that is just the nature of the business, especially in a, what year in a salary cap world. It's understandable, man. <laughs> it's it's the worst year of ever, 2020, remember? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So moving on, we covered Matt Martin. I, th- I don't think we got to go into that any further. Um, let's see. Broussard is going to be an interesting case. Yeah, I think I think Tony's right. Yeah, I think I they agree move with on him. from him. I, I like some of the things that he did. He It's interesting, man. He, he kind of was either really visible in the playoffs or just <laughs> the complete opposite. Right. And the interesting thing too is obviously he's 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 a guy that they brought in as a, a I guess a centerman, right? Um but really where he arrived yeah. was on the wing. Uh you had right. those moments early in the season where they moved him to the to the wing and he that's where his he was playing his best hockey as a member and of the And he might have actually had a better year all around if Pajot started from game 1. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? No, 100%, because that's where he seemed most comfortable. And it it was interesting. Again, he was advertised as a a centerman coming in. He was part of that depth down the middle. And then you look at it, and the best hockey that he played and the most natural hockey that he played was was on the wing, which was a position that he really didn't play a bunch at, um, really except for maybe in Pittsburgh a little bit from what I remember. And out there. Yeah, but I, yeah. I think it was a different circumstance with him in Pittsburgh. Not yeah. necessarily that it was his fault completely. Sure, but sure. The circumstances around it. But I think when you looked at the way he played this season, regular season, the postseason, his best hockey was at that wing position where he was really able to thrive. He opened up his game a little bit more, and he just mm-hmm. looked more comfortable, which was a very interesting turn of events. Yeah, he'll get a contract somewhere else. I thought it was cool having him for the year. He, you know, he had some he had some fairly big moments in the playoffs, but they're going to have to move on. They're going to have to. Do something else to solidify that third line. No room for it. Right. Moving on, I think we can literally just mention these guys by name. Thomas Kunakel, I think he's done. I mean, serviceable utility guy. Again, I don't don't see room for him. Um, Again, thank you for your service. He was a good Islander while he was here. Chris Gibson. Probably uh, <laughs> moving on. Well, we'll see. Who knows? Well, I don't you know. You know what? I, I don't need nec- a down there. I don't necessarily know if that's the case. I don't. I'm not too now not knowledgeable, but I'm not sure how many goaltenders. <laughs> no, you're right. You're, you're a <laughs> but how, it's unclear how many how much depth goaltender that the Islanders have down yeah. in Bridgeport with, right. with the farm system. Christopher Gibson has been here for a couple of years. He was part of that that trade. He came over from Toronto. Toronto yeah, grab a trade. Um. So and he's been here. He's done well. While, he's been yeah. there. He's he's been there basically I guess starter down in Bridgeport for some time now so uh, it 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 goes either way I'm sure he's not yeah. commanding a ton of money to to be the uh, the guy in Bridgeport right and then you have Andy Green we talked about him a little bit already Tony seems to think he might come back I think it's possible I think it does kind of hinge on the Johnny Boychuk situation how that's starting to get a little chatter now I think the excellence that he had in the postseason certainly changed the conversation 
Yeah, you just have to look at his age, though. I mean, he's I think thirty-seven. Yeah. So is he's he gonna... not coming back on a more than one-year deal? Oh, absolutely not, and certainly on a much cheaper deal than he was on. But but I but my main question mentioning that is just you know is he still going to be the Andy Green that you know we kind of came to know and love? I suppose during this short run, is he going to be able to do that over an eighty-two game season? Right. But, but I, I guess he'll be a seventh defenseman. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. If you're bringing Andy Green back, it's not as a starter. Right, I think you're going to expect Dobson to step in if a guy's moved. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't. I don't, even if Andy Green isn't back next or is back next year, the expectation is Dobson is going to be the starter in that, that six-man rotation for the Islanders. Yeah. Okay. All right. So that kind of covers it for the UFAs. Let's look at the RFAs. A little more important right now because there's some big names in there. One on Two on D, one up front. Let's start with the D. And let's start with Ryan Pollock. Ryan Pollock, what do you say? I mean, he had himself a good year, had, also had some big moments in the playoffs. It's I know it's tough to estimate and guess, you know, what kind of salaries these guys are going to get, but, you know, the Islanders do have the benefit of the fact that they're RFAs, so they only have so much, I suppose, you know, sway in these conversations. I believe him and Barzell both have arbitration rights, so I suppose that could get a little dicey if they have a hard time coming to numbers. But uh, I'm looking at cap friendly. Uh, Taze and Pulak have arbitration rights. Uh, it does not look like my, uh, Matthew Barzell okay. does. Fair enough. So the two defensemen do. And I don't know. I mean, you look at some of the contracts that have been handed out recently. Of course, the names escape me, but I've seen a couple around six mil. I mean, maybe that's somewhere that pull. I mean, just just kind of like you said earlier, I'm not always great with guessing salaries. I mean, I, I especially <laughs> oh, I said that to you off the air. You decided to say that on. Oh the air. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, when it comes to <laughs> <laughs> yes, I that's see true. how it is. Yeah, that's true. I I, I called you out. So <laughs> I don't know. I mean, does he? I'm I'm gonna say ballpark five to six mil a year. And the length, I'm not so sure of. I feel like because of this flat cap situation, we might see some shorter term deals, and maybe then maybe we would have if there wasn't a flat cap. So maybe you see some bridge deals here for all these guys, maybe around three years, something like that. I think that was going to be the case, regardless of of obviously being in the, in the COVID nineteen situation that we are at the present. Um, I think when you look at how Lou operates, I don't necessarily think that he was going to hand out these lengthy contracts to Pulak, uh, Taze. Or Matthew Barzell, even despite the fact that all three have been instrumental in the Islander success. Taze obviously had a bit of a rough postseason, so that'll be an interesting negotiation between him and the Islanders management. Yeah. He certainly yeah. had some moments this this year in the, in the playoffs where you're like, I don't necessarily know what you're doing there, dude. Like, let's let's step back. And there were some some rough mistakes that he made where it was very noticeable. Even from you know, Tony was talking about you know them not mentioning Pelic on the broadcast and stuff like that. But that's usually a good sign as defensemen. Which is as which a defensive is defensive, yeah, as a yes. defensive defenseman, which is unfair. I mean, it, it it sucks in that position because you never get the recognition you deserve. You only get the criticism when it <laughs> right, happens. Right, but right. that was the situation you saw Tazen a couple times during the during the playoffs, and um, it wasn't a great spot to be in for him. He's obviously a very talented defenseman. He was huge for the Islanders last season during the year when he came up from Bridgeport. But this year, you know, he still played really well. It's it's it'll be interesting to see what kind of contract he gets. Obviously, Pulak is is the main star, I guess you could say, in, in the in that discussion when it comes to the two RFAs on the on the blue oh, line. Oh yeah, and yeah. Barzal obviously is interesting because everyone and their mother is going to assume, like we always do every year, <laughs> that someone someone's bound to offer oh, she somebody stop this it. year. It's not happening. I'll, nobody's I'll, uh, nobody's going to do it. I'll give up a month's salary if, that, uh, if that's the case, if someone offer sheets oh, Matthew Well, Barzal. I'm going to hold you to that, but I don't but think it's going to happen. Joke's on you. I make nothing. <laughs> Fair enough. But that's, but that's my point. You know, we have this conversation every year, every year about a player being RFA'd, and, and this guy is the most likely to be RFA'd this yeah, year. Yeah, we saw it's, it with Sebastian Ajo, but it's still one in a million. Right, but even looking back, you know, um, Mitch Marner, we had the same conversation with. You know, we right. have these conversations every year. And I, I just, I, I got to say it. I got to say it tonight because it, it's, I'm sure, you know, there's there's some stupid stories out there about Barzal being, you know, the guy who who's, the, you know, the one to be to be offer sheet if there was going to be one. Yeah. And I, I just have to say, like, it's it's nonsense. They're, all those stories are nonsense. It's not it's likely to happen. The the odds of it happening are slim to none. And especially this time around, because uh, as Sean and I were talking about off the air, that this is not the year it's going to happen because these GMs hockey is notable for the fact that yeah. GMs aren't thrilled when people offer sheet. It happens so infrequently for a reason. 
these these GMs hold, I don't want to say hold grudges, but they have a long memory. They have memories right. like elephants. And yeah. if you're the GM that goes and offer sheets and Matt anybody, Barzal. And would anybody dare offer sheet a Lou right. player? Because that <laughs> means, GMs. yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, you know, it, it's, it's just ridiculous. I just had to say, cause no, I'm, I'm sure there's you. some, there's someone out there that, that's freaking out that Barzal is going to be the one that's going to be yeah, offer sheet. No, it's, like the like case. Said, it's not the it case. It happens every off season. Don't worry. Seattle <laughs> take them next year in the expansion <laughs> oh, no. draft. Oh, like we it. all knew he would. You better stop. You're going to get run out of town. <laughs> but look, as far as those RFAs go, I think they all take bridge-type deals, maybe yeah. around three years, and they kind of bet on themselves and hope that the cap situation solves itself, it goes up, and maybe they look for you know cash in a little more. If you want to throw numbers, I say maybe around eight, nine mil for Barzell a year. Yes, I think that's fair. And I would say two to three mil a year for Taves and probably in that six mil range Pulak. For, for Pullock. Yeah. And once I'm wrong after the contracts are signed... <laughs> That's fine. Remember, he's at Shawnee Hockey on Twitter. You <laughs> That's can, right. You can remind him of how wrong he was on a daily basis by tweeting him at Shawnee Hockey. Yes. And as a note from last week, remind him that I'm doing a terrific job on the show oh. at Shawnee Hockey. Oh, on right. Sure. So moving on. <laughs> So with that being said about Barzell making maybe eight nine million a year, that's your cap right there. So moves have to be made. Yes. Whether it's somebody like Nick Letty getting dealt, who I thought would be the guy, but now it sounds like maybe the narrative's tilting a little towards Johnny Boychuk because, as Arthur Staple pointed out, it looks like he is due less money, I believe, than his actual cap hit, which yeah. I believe would be attractive the- to a team like Ottawa, somebody who's looking to actually get to the... I mean, they just bought out Bobby Ryan, I think... They, they're 12, 20 million under the cap now, so they're just going to need to suck up some salary somewhere. <laughs> they need people. They just need bodies. Yeah, but then, it's like the Islanders in the in the early, you know, the 2000s. <laughs> right, like the Tim Thomas Yeah, situation. you know, you're just, oh, we're going to, Tim Thomas, right. he's not going to show up, but we'll take his contract. So, you know, maybe maybe you see something like that. There's also no trade clauses that, you, that are going to come into the mix. So Lou has a lot of negotiating to do, a lot of... Tinkering to do, and, and look, I have faith he's going to figure it out, but it, it, nobody here is going to be able to guess it right now. I think we might see something out of left field that none of us could predict that, that Lou might do. It'll be interesting. By the way, yeah. Johnny Boychuk has a $6 million uh, a- annual average, AAV, right. but his actual total salary is about $4 million. There you go. So, so. just that's perfect for a team like Ottawa. So you never know. Something like that might happen. Maybe you see a guy like Letty Dell. Maybe you see something unexpected. Maybe you see that Lad Parise situation revisited. Yeah. I think if it doesn't, I think he's destined for long-term IR. I said, I've been saying that for a while. Um, that's why I was shocked that he even got into a playoff game. Yeah. To even yeah. toy with the idea that he might still be okay to play. Like, I figured <laughs> Lou would just want to lock him in a room somewhere and say, all right, your knees are bad, and we're putting you on LTIR this summer or this offseason. Don't come out. Yeah, exactly. But with that, buddy, we got to do a quick hero of the week here. Or hero of the playoffs, actually, we're doing this time. Yes. we got to wrap yeah. soon. So, again, a couple things we might have wanted to dive into, but... We just ran out of time, but that just means we cover next week because yes. we got the big draft preview coming up because the draft is going to be on Tuesday, October 6th. That's round one. Rounds two through seven will be the following day on the 7th. So things just keep coming here yeah. at Hockey Night in New York. So with that, here we go. And then free agency is like a couple days later. Exactly. So we got the big draft and free agency preview show next week. But right now, we're going to do a hero of the playoffs. We wrapped it up. So, Christian, I went first last week, but I have to remind everybody that the hero of the playoffs is brought to you by the Oyster Bay Brewing Company Beer of the Week. This week, it is the Mango Heart Seltzer, a mango-flavored heart seltzer. It is gluten-free, 4.5% ABV, ABV, and only 100 (laughs) calories. So after that little bout of dyslexia, Christian Arnold, take it away. Who is your hero of the playoffs? That's incredible. I didn't know a beer had an AAV. I believe I said AVB oh. instead of ABV. It would have yeah. been funnier if it was AVB. Sorry. A-B-B. Sorry to disappoint. Yeah. No, that's funny. Let's hear it. Who, who you got? Hero of the playoffs. It's a tough one. There's there's a lot of people you yeah. could pick as a hero of the playoffs for the New York Islanders. Um, under After careful consideration, I have to say that it's going to be Adam Pelly. I okay. think, again, I, I, you know, the fact that he played game five with a broken wrist is just incredible to me. Um, because it just really shows this, you know, the, the the character and his will to to be that team guy. But more importantly, for the Islanders, his role on this team has become so crucial yeah. to that blue line. It, it, it's a factor day in and day out when he's out there on the ice, and when he's not out there on the ice, it's incredibly noticeable. And I think that, like like I plugged before, Brent Thompson hit hit on the head there when he was talking to me uh, about. 
Adam Pellick, when I spoke with him a couple days ago for a story on nyihockeynow.com, you can check it out there. The fact that, you know, it was something he noticed right in that first season. You know, big, you know, big defender in, in his own zone. He's got a, you know, large stick that can break up a lot of plays. He's got a great hockey IQ. And he's he's just really smart with the puck, and he's got great vision on the ice. And I think you combine all of that, and you just see the complete player that he is, not only in his own end, where he's just a responsible defenseman yeah. and can really cre- create havoc for any offensive chances the teams are trying to create. But he, he's got a good sense in, his, in the offensive zone, too, that doesn't get noticed a lot. And when you take him out of the lineup, it's just night and day of how the Islanders operate on the blue line. And I think that makes him such a crucial part of the playoffs because even in Game 6, it was noticeable. The Islanders in Game 5, the Islanders in Game 6 were two different teams. It's true. It's true. I like the pick, Christian. I, I do, but I like mine better. Of course. <laughs> and I also tossed around a couple of guys. I thought there were some very worthy candidates, Adam Pellick being one of them. I tossed the idea of Josh Bailey around. I think he definitely deserves a recognition for the playoffs that he had. He led the team in points. He had some major, major assists. I mean, he only he only had two goals, but he had 18 big assists. Yeah. One of the goals was shorthanded, too. Yeah. <laughs> so he had a huge playoffs. And I also considered Varlamov just because, I mean, look, he, he really... Not to say... I don't want to say he kept the team in the playoffs in the sense that they had no hope without him. I mean, obviously the team in front of him played well as well, he but was he crucial. had a gr- yeah, he yeah. was he was he was critical. But I ultimately landed on Brock Nelson. That's nine goals, great choice. Nine assists, eighteen points in twenty-two playoff games played. He had three game winners. Like I had mentioned earlier, he had almost a fifty-three percent 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 prowess wow. in in the faceoff circle. And he really established himself as a strong second-line center and a big part of this team's immediate future. So I'm going with Brock Nelson. So there you have it, folks. Adam Pellick, Brock Nelson, your heroes of the playoffs. Great choices either way. I mean, both crucial points, parts of Jeez, Now you, your, your inability to speak <laughs> is rubbing off on me. But it's contagious. Uh, great, great, great points made by the two of us there on, on two guys that were crucial to the Islanders' playoff run and their success in the postseason this year and getting to the Eastern Conference Final. Indeed, sir. Indeed. And with that, we got to wrap, buddy. I know you got to get going. So, folks, once again, I want to thank you all for tuning in to Hockey Night in New York. We're going to talk about the draft and free agency next week. Like I said, no picks in the first two rounds. Might be a little quiet, but you never know. We'll see. We shall see. Big thanks to Tony Stabile for joining us tonight. Awesome spot. Big thanks to Oyster Bay Brewing Company for presenting the show. They are the creator of the Born Rocker Session Ale and official partner of the New York Islanders. Remember, you can order their great beers, brewery, and Born Rocker merchandise at OysterBayBrewing.com for curbside pickup, local delivery, or shipping anywhere in New York. And you can get 15% off with coupon code HNINY. Big thanks to our sponsor, Blue Line Deli and Bagels, located at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington. Head on over for great food, great service, and great Isles fans. And check out the menu at bluelinedeli.com. And last, but certainly not least, a big thanks to our sponsor, Thai Technology, a voiceover IP company providing phone services for businesses across the country. Check them out at thaitechnology.com for all your telecom needs. Or give them a call at 516-856-7800. Thank you once again, folks, for tuning in. If you enjoy the show, please rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite podcast provider. Tell your friends, spread the word, follow Christian on Twitter at C underscore Arnold 01. Follow myself at Shawnee Hockey. Follow the show at Hockey Night NY on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We will see you next week. <laughs>